This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 202. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And today I have a special guest with me on the show, Mr. Mickey Shook of Carry Trainer. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome. We were also going to have Matthew Marister join us on, on today's episode of the podcast, and he may still jump in a little late. We'll see. I don't know. He uh, forgot about a doctor's appointment that he had to uh-uh. be to. So, <laughs> you know, you got to take care of yourself, right? Sure. So we'll, we'll excuse Matthew, and Jacob is uh, busy off doing other things as well today. So it's just me and, and Mr. Shook, and appreciate you joining me today, man. We'll make it happen. And so, uh, folks, today today's episode is brought to you by, first of all, Carry Trainer. I want to recognize uh, Mickey's company there, uh, training company. It uh, looks like you're doing a lot of great things there. We'll be diving into that, talking about what it is you do and, and everything you. that Carry Trainer is about. So, guys, go check out carrytrainer.com and Carry Trainer's Facebook page and Instagram accounts as well. Uh, give them some love and support there. Also, today's episode is brought to you by ConcealedCarry.com's new vehicle firearm tactics course. Uh, we just put together this it's just a simple little training video dealing with uh, fighting in or around a vehicle, defending yourself as as as, as one might have to do. Uh, we share stories each week on the podcast of defensive gun uses all across the country, all different types of scenarios. Uh, longtime listeners, you know, you've heard many of these. Uh, one thing that we wanted to do, and we had the time to, and, the, and the resources to be able to do it, uh, back in November, we filmed this vehicle firearm tactics course, and we are now officially launching that out to the general public. So head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash VFT and check it out. Hope that it is helpful to uh, some of you out there. So with that, I am not going to drag it along much more here. So let's jump into it, Mickey. First of all, tell us who in the heck are you? Where'd you come from? What are you doing? Give us a little rundown. Came from my mom. <laughs> I enjoy uh, long walks on the beach, classical music, white wine, red wine. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so I'm a uh, carpenter by trade, actually. I'm a fifth generation carpenter. I grew up in the Midwest. My family's from Chicago area. Uh, I've been active in the firearms training community for about a decade and have been a student of the gun for, well, I'm 40. I got my first gun at 13, so 27-ish years. Um, I took an active participation in affecting laws in our own state to allow concealed carry to take place. Illinois was the last state uh, in the union to pass some type of concealed carry legislation. Uh, so we we took an active role in that a number of years ago, and after that, I began doing quite a bit more teaching for a couple of reasons. One was exposure, but also uh, it's my exposure, but I was exposed to a lot of very bad training, people that were trying to capitalize financially. This happened in every state that, that enacted concealed carry laws or open carry laws in the last couple of decades. Folks wanted mm. to jump in and thought they were going to going to make uh, the big bucks. So um, we kind of stepped in and and provided some, I guess, common sense would be a good way to look at it because there was a lot of folks passing on a lot of bad information. So um, yeah, 
we took an active role in that, which we still do. We still work as a, a uh, non-licensed lobbying body. We take a lot of folks to Springfield, our capital, every year to work with legislators, meet them, uh, start dialogue. And the kind of the goal of that organization is helping gun owners learn to communicate in a way that's effective, not just pound their chest and say second amendment. And, you know, we, all these, these words, founding fathers and second amendment, and these catchphrases that actually don't affect anything or change anybody's viewpoint to, to, to create anything meaningful. So we try to help educate folks on how to pass on information in a meaningful way that will provide some value to the general public and to them and their cause uh, in, in total. So that's, you know, that's a, like a broad background. My training company, we train throughout the country, uh, coast to coast, uh, just in Florida. We'll be in California in a, a couple of weeks. We'll be in Washington, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan. So we kind of bounce all over the place. Mm. You do this full time? I do. I do. That's awesome. I do. Um, and we, we're fortunate to have uh, uh, a, a good group of companies that sponsor us. Uh, companies from North American Rescue to Surefire to Radiant Weapons, Walter Firearms, Boresight Solutions. Uh, I'm looking around my desk so I don't forget anybody. <laughs> v- Vetter Holsters. There's actually a, a handful of companies ranging from like the big names we all know to some local uh, mom and pop companies that that produce various items. So um, my mindset in the training world is cut through all the crap, cut through the noise provide people with uh, relevant training that's not injected with uh, dogma or injected with uh, bravado needlessly. Um, If you talk to a a combat veteran, most of them will tell you, and I am not one, most of them will tell you when there's some noisy, boisterous person telling you about how tough they are, that that guy's probably the one that's full of it, right? Yep. So there's so much of that bravado, which which is such a waste of time for potential students, people looking to learn how to be better prepared to protect themselves that we want to cut through that noise, provide people with, here's a list of good products. And they're, they're not the only good products, but the, here's a list of quality products that these vendors or makers will, will stand behind, stuff that's been tested. Uh, because that's another problem. This gun industry has exploded in the last 20 years and there are a million products that were created for a problem that didn't exist. You know, guys that find this, uh, this genre of society to be like uh, sexy or cool and they don't really have a firm grasp. I've got buckets of holsters that people send us that are nothing I would ever put a gun in. And, um, because people thought it was, they were creating something that was a solution. So we try to cut through all that noise. Yeah. Long answer to your question. Which I appreciate by the way, you know, so I was, you know, watching some of your videos and stuff you have on Facebook and Instagram and whatnot. And you know, that, that was kind of the impression I got from you just watching you is that uh, very much just like common sense, you know, let's, let's think through, not just the how we do things, but also why we do them. You know, what's the purpose for me, you know, I don't know, handling my pistol this way, reloading that way, whatever it is, or, you know, what's the problem with, uh, that was actually one I just was watching uh, earlier this morning was uh, you were talking about uh, guys that might complain about 
you know, why would I practice reload, you know, drills? You know, like, <laughs> I mean, and in fact, since sure. I brought it up, you know, what would you touch on that? Like, what's the common sense, you know, well, as you view it, re- response to that? So a lot of the internet, or I'm sorry, Instagram content that I create is based on comments that we get. So yeah. I, my initial foray into social media started years ago with YouTube and we started videos that were private only for our clients. Um, so customers had access to our unlisted videos and if they wanted to be able to go back and see how do I hold the gun or whatever the lesson was, instead of calling me and have them explain it to me, we had a list of these basic lessons. Anyway, you know, there's, mm-hmm. a, we've got, we're kind of known for, for, uh, full length content. We've got two, three hour long YouTube videos that are like very in-depth training videos rather than just like highlight reels of dude shooting. Uh, That said, that Instagram video came, uh, we posted, had posted a clip of a lesson in class. Anybody that knows Instagram knows it's a video, it has to be 60 seconds or less. And so there's only so much information you can pass (laughs) on. Gun crowd is notorious for nitpicking things and finding uh, finding fault, even if there's none to be found. It's kind of like the nature of the, what do we call it, derp, derp. You know, is that like the word now? <laughs> right. um, so the video was a clip of a class of a group of students performing a drill. The drill was very simple. Uh, the gun was set up with one round in the chamber, empty magazine, you drew, you fired the one round at a, a zone at a target at like seven or 10 yards, performed a reload, and then fired one more round to that A zone and then followed up with a headshot, the ocular vault of, a, of an IPSC target, USPSA target rather. Right. And, Eyes, nose, mouth. Right. Basically. So the, the point of the drill wasn't you must do it in this time. It was let's see where you're at. So tomorrow or next year, you have a baseline. You know, that's kind of like uh, uh, anybody that's skilled at any type of training, be it English class or basketball, you have to have metrics that you can see and achieve and look at growth paths, right? So somebody commented and said, well, I think that's stupid to perform reload drills where you know when the gun's going to go in. And this is one of those dogmas in the training world. Look, it's not real if you've set it up. Well, that's like, you know, that's that's like saying I want to race NASCAR, but I don't even have a driver's license. And you have to start somewhere. And then to add to that, would you not, the mindset of I don't want to know when my gun's going to go empty, that's about as ignorant as, as it can get. I want to know exactly when the gun's going to go empty. I want to know I've shot 15 rounds and there's one left and that I need to now be prepared to take immediate action. So I filmed a follow-up video just describing not so much how to reload the gun, but why are you practicing this and how do you apply the mindset of, of uh, incremental growth and having a plan to develop a skill set. I think that's a big, a big problem with training is excuse me, <coughs> is let's, let's go to the range, take our gun, our sweet gear, and shoot a bunch, and maybe even do some cool stuff where we're running around and looking tactical and awesome and, and uh, you know, super uh, violent. But if you have no way to uh, track growth, have a goal, I, keep, I like that. I like the goal thing. Uh, accuracy is a big one. People use terms like combat effective. And if I'm going off on a tangent, just drag me back in. I'm just (laughs) 
trying to paint a picture here of why I think the way I do. Uh, yep. Like I, I will have people tell me yesterday I was at the range with a 642 Smith and Wesson, little snub nose, right? And I was working on headshots, six inch steel plate at, I was at 18 yards. And people say, well, that's stupid. That gun's only good for X, Y, Z. Well, what if it's not? What if the time you need it, that's not the case? Or, or what if you are only three feet away? Wouldn't you like to be able to make that shot effortlessly? And then anything, if you can do that at 10 yards or 18 yards, five feet away becomes mindless and effortless. Right. So we've got all of these, these dogmas the training world is full of so many dudes, and I see it. I was, I am a student. I try to attend at least 160 hours of courses a year. I host a lot of big instructors. Big meaning quality, not so much that they're famous, but I could name a bunch of guys that everybody would know that we host here. And I host them, one, because I want to bring those people to my area, but two, the student pool that we pull from I want to make sure that they're getting more instruction. I'm not the only guy out there. You're not the only guy out there. So yep. um, there's there are plenty of things that we all need to learn. So the thought process I was I was getting to here is guys go out and they take a class or two and they're like, man, this is fun. I want to get paid to teach this stuff because I'm shooting and it's awesome. So the next thing you know, a guy that's taken a couple hours of training or even a, a, a six months of training. Uh, now he's an instructor. He's got a business card and he's teaching people. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm a pretty decent skier for a guy from the Midwest. And if <laughs> I come to Colorado where I learned to ski, I learned to ski at Copper Mountain uh, as sure. a teen. But I've skied those big hills 50 days out of my entire life where a kid that grew up out there skis them 50 times every winter. So, you know, we there's something I could pass on for skiing, for example, but it's not going to be the same thing. A guy that grew up on one of those Hills knows. So I think we got to learn to stay in our lanes too. You're not going to see Mickey Shook teaching uh, room clearing with night vision and carbines because it's so not applicable. Right. Uh, it, that there's, there are many things that people train your vehicle combatives that you're talking about or vehicle uh, uh, fighting in and around. That's a great thing. I think it's something anybody that carries, drives a car, uh, should learn. But there are a lot of folks that have popped up with these training programs because it's really fun to shoot a video, post it on Facebook of you shooting out a windshield. And you know, if we start looking at data, how often do uh, people get in gunfights. Okay. Not very often. How often do they get in gunfights in a car? Now it's really not often. How often do they yep. reload in a gunfight? Almost never. So it's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we invest energy in that I think is, you could go to a gun shop or a trade show or a, you know, NRA show shot, and you'll hear these discussions go back and forth. And I listen to it and I just think this is just, it's like talking about sports. I'm not a sports guy, but at the end of the day, if we sit and talk about what's the best football team next season or baseball team, zero is changed in the outcome of the world or eternity or my family's well-being or my ability to pay my bills unless I bet on sports. You know, nothing, <laughs> nothing has changed. It's just idle chit-chat. 
So let's talk about the things that actually make a person that carries a gun better, better able to protect themselves. Yeah. And that's where, what my mindset is. Yeah. You know, I mean, we even, we had that discussion a little bit as we were talking about this uh, vehicle firearm tactics course, as far as like, well, this is not something that's that common, right? You know, is this even worth uh, spending, you know, time and resources on even as a company, you know, uh, spending two days and, and filming a lot of this and stuff. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, yeah, it's something that's not common and it's not, something you'd expect to have happen uh, to you probably or anyone for that matter. But I think our approach was, Hey, let's try to be kind of common sense about this. It's not meant, Mm -hmm. it's not about being tactical. It's about, you know, what are some of the basic principles, you know, centered around just good common sense, logical thinking, approaching the problem. Hey, what if you are in this situation? One thing that actually has opened my eyes, though, is in sharing these these justified, uh, we call them their justified stories each week in the podcast, the defensive gun use stories. Uh, yeah. There's been actually a surprising number of them that have happened sure. in or around vehicles, right? You know, more than I probably would have, if, if I hadn't studied these stories and, and dug and found all these things, I, if you'd asked me, well, how often? You know, well, hardly ever that sort of thing happens, you know, to a civilian, right? But it actually, you know, it happens a little. Don't don't so, get me wrong. I want to interject something. Don't sure, get sure. me wrong. I wasn't suggesting those things don't happen. Right. I, get, I, should have, I should have clarified before I said it. I see g- gentlemen that don't go to the range and just train good old-fashioned bullseye accuracy, but they will go spend a weekend learning to shoot through a windshield or they'll <laughs> go take a carbine course clearing rooms, um, which are fine things, but that I often see that same person does not have a good set of basic mechanical functions. Yes. Yeah. They don't exhibit good safety. And it's like, Hey, why are you trying to do this high speed thing when you're not able to exhibit the thing that actually should be required? So So, true. And and, and you nailed on the head right there. That clarification is important and it is necessary too. Uh, And I would certainly say the same, you know, to, to any of my students, like, Hey, before you move to this, like, make sure you get these basics down first. Mm-hmm. So, you've trained a lot of people in your in your career um, thus far, and you will t- train many more uh, to come. I hope uh, so, Lord willing. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is you know? Walk me through probably like where where do you where would you tell somebody that's just getting into concealed carry that like they're just starting to take it serious and by taking it serious, maybe they've taken, you know, maybe an NRA basic pistol course, or they've had some hands-on one-on-one instruction with, with a, you know, a decent respectable instructor in their area, maybe a cop friend of theirs or something. Right. So they're just starting to really get serious about it. They have decent shooting mechanics and fundamentals, you know, they're, they're, they're decent, but they still have a lot of room to grow and a lot of things to learn. Where do you take someone that's kind of maybe in that position? That's what I call, you know, I see a lot of shooters that sort of hit this plateau. And I'm guessing you probably see see a similar thing where, you know, they just start to get really going. A lot of times a lot of shooters will tend to just sort of plateau and stay at this one level if they're not careful or if they don't continue, you know, going on, you know, forward with it, which is difficult to do. Like it's understandable why average gun owners in America don't pursue a lot of, formal, uh, you know, quality instruction because it takes time and it takes a considerable amount of, of money. 
sure. you know, buying all the equipment, buying the ammunition and paying instructors and, sure. and all the courses and stuff. Right. But walk us through, like, what are some of the guiding principles for carry trainer as you are taking someone that's, that's newish, right? Uh, but, but there's, you know, so they're, they're impressionable, they're teachable, uh, they're looking to learn. Uh, where do you, you know, where, where do you encourage someone like that to focus their time, to devote their resources? And, and like I said, what are some of your guiding principles as far as how you work with a student like that? What are you teaching them? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I would, first off, we would separate shooter from fighting skills. Um, shooting is a hobby. Shooting is a sport. Uh, you can be the best shooter in the planet. I know guys that can hit headshots at a hundred yards, but they don't have any fighting spirit. They don't have, none of their training, uh, is geared toward surviving violence. So there's something completely different between the mechanical skill of shooting and the fighting. So you need to be mechanically sound in the shooting and then you add in the fighting. So I try to compartmentalize those things, but if the goal is to be better prepared to protect yourself, I don't like to use the word defend. Uh, You can't win anything defending. You don't win any basketball game, sporting event of any kind while on defense, right? All you're doing is trying to get back to the point that you can score. A Mm. boxer never will win like this, unless the guy actually gets tired and falls on the ground with an (laughs) asthma. So uh, any protective skills that the student is trying to gain, I want to make sure that the pistol craft or, or gun craft is taking them to that. So that's number one. Yeah. And I think sometimes, though, we can get way off in the weeds on that. You must only cycle the slide like this or like this or like this, because if you're really fighting, I don't care about any of that kind of dogmatic thinking, how you how you rack the slide. I mean, that's something we definitely talk about, but I don't get off into the weeds on that stuff. Um, The first question I ask a student is what problem are we trying to solve? And of course that common answers are, I want to be safer. I want to be better able to protect myself or my family, or I'll get really specific. I've got an ex-boyfriend that scares me and I've got an order of protection or I'm an attorney and I have a client that's after me. Like you get some specific things like that. It's like, okay, now we can gear training towards that. Excuse me. Usually though, it's I want to be better prepared to protect myself from random acts of violence. One of the things that got me into the protective aspects of martial arts, and I've studied martial arts since I was a teenager, is I've had several people in my life be murdered. It's a terrible, terrible story, the first one. The second one's just as terrible. And I'm not suggesting if both of these women had a gun, it would have immediately fixed the problem, but it would have been a possible solution. So I kind of, at a young age, started getting steered in this direction. So what is the problem? Well, now we look at violence, real violence, not, not what the gun guy at the counter says is violence. We don't care about data like the sound of a 12-gauge racking in the night will make a bad guy flee. Like we don't use those types of analogies or, or, or we don't base our training on um, regurgitated what-ifs. 
that said, we want to know what the problem is, and that is looking at real data. So in our course, we examine tons of empirical data, data taken from the CDC, the FBI, uh, the Department of Justice, various places that you probably pulled data yourself for the, the vehicle attacks. Um, so we look at that. A lot of data comes from police shootings, and a lot of people say, well, that's not the same. Most to the general public doesn't understand why that is, and I'll tell them right now, if you or I as a, a average citizen, just so most people also know, policemen are citizens, they're not military, which is, which is uh, uh, somebody that's you know, not considered to be a citizen uh, right. in the context of what we're talking about. Most of these police-involved shootings, everything is uh, investigated to the 10th degree. If you or I shoot somebody, if we are justified, there's not much of an investigation. Riley was justified. Here's what happened. End of story. If you were not justified, now you're a criminal. Now you are a crime statistic. So if there's that data doesn't really exist. So we use a lot of the police involved shooting data and it, and it tells us tons. So with that, uh, Glock 43, low capacity gun based on crime statistics and based on what it takes to stop the average human being, not the best solution for the problem. Better than no solution, but the gun that I carry, the high cap Beretta from Wilson Combat with 16 rounds on board, better yeah. solution, right? So, well, I I can't carry that. Fine, then we'll work around that. There, we've th that's another issue. You must only have a 1911. You must only have a high capacity Glock. Well, my mother is four foot eleven. Her fingers are about like that long. She's a <laughs> hobbit lady. She that big gun. She can't put her hands around. So now you've got to to match tools to uh, the end user. So again to the, your, your question, solution-based. What's the problem? How do we best find a solution for the individual? Mm -hmm. the, the broad brush strokes, you know, Glock, for example, is very famous and works very well for many people for all the reasons we know, right? It's reliable, it's easy to, it's easy to fix, maintain, it's cheap. It doesn't mean it's the best solution for everybody, but, but people latch onto that. Well, the whole world wouldn't have it if it if it wasn't the best. So yep. um, I want to first go to that end. What's the problem you're trying to solve? And that's not always the same for everybody, unfortunately. You know, you, where I live, it's a very safe area. The chance of a home invasion or something like that is very slim compared to uh, somebody in maybe an inner city area. So training might be completely different. Um, and then we pound the fundamentals. You can never, ever, ever, if you carry a gun in public, be too safe with it from the perspective of muzzle control and uh, trigger finger control. Um, and you can never be too accurate with it. I, I detest terms like combat effective hits. We're not combatants. Uh, we're not laying down suppressive fire for troops to move. We're normally, as a police officer or average citizen, placing a directed volley of fire into a very specific target zone. And many times, if you're in public, there's way too many instances of people shooting houses, cars, and people. So the, the uh, 
ability to really hone in on how to get accurate. And you said it a minute ago, it's really expensive and it's really time consuming. It's, it's not a lot of fun. I posted a picture yesterday. I I'm, was bleeding yeah. from 200 rounds through a J frame with plus P ammo. And I, I've shot this gun. There's thousands of rounds. Just the grip panel has been covered in blood because it's wore a, a hole through my hand over the course of a couple thousand rounds and like a two day training. It, that stuff's not fun. It's not, I mean, it's, it's fun to be with your buddies and having, having laughs and jokes and, but it's, it's work. And most people go shoot a box of 50 and they're like, I'm good. Try this again in six months. Yeah. We're not dealing with Frisbee golf. These things kill people. And I think that that's something that is often forgotten. I have many friends that you probably do too, that know you as like their gun friend. And they say, hey, I want to go shoot sometime. I want to go shoot. Every time you see them, they tell you this. And you probably say what I do. Let me know, man. I'll take you. Let me know. And yep. eventually one of these guys comes, right? And they now they're different. Now they know, I don't know what I'm doing. Riley does. <laughs> and they, you know, they're all sheepish about it. And then you realize as they're muzzling you in the range and you got to like, <laughs> all right, we got to stop. We got to go back to the basics. Don't point that end at me. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So... I, the the safety, accuracy, the um, work ethic, if you're going to decide to carry one of these things in public, these are all things I'm answering your question still. If you're going to carry one of these things, be prepared to spend money, be prepared to put in a lot of time and effort. Then the caveat to that, now that we know that we want you to be totally safe, totally accurate, and we're going to discuss real violence, now we can tailor that training instead of this big broad, I'm not going to teach people, um, for example, NRA basic pistol. I'm not teaching people three different stances with the pistol because in reality you do all of these different movements as you're moving and engaging targets. So I teach people how to work with the pistol, um, and not try to fit their body into somebody else's system, if you will. Yep. Um, so that's, that's really it. Let's, let's get you good and accurate. Let's get you to the point where it's fun to learn. Um, we're going to take the macho stuff out of it and then figure out here's where you excel, here's where you're not excelling, and here's what you got to do to get there. And a lot of times, I mean, really, if you shoot a couple thousand rounds, if you take somebody from scratch that doesn't have a bunch of terrible habits, a couple cases of ammo, they should be doing pretty darn good. You know, as far as accuracy and if you're, if you are regimented in the training day one, when we take a student, everything they do, I'm going to clear this gun out and explain what I'm talking about. Everything we do is, um, there's nobody this way. So we, nobody we want proof. We want proof, man. You got to show on camera. Oh, do I? I don't, I don't <laughs> feel I need to do I'm that. So, joking. so, so visually and physically inspect hammer forward, <laughs> but everything we do. You know, if somebody picks a gun up in class, it slides back. We visually and physically inspect the chamber. We look away. We look back. People say, well, why do you do that? And you know why you do this. These are systems that will save you from doing something stupid, from complacency. But every time I pick the gun up, I have my master grip. Every time I pick the gun up, I'm doing something to reinforce what gets me to the point where if I needed to get the gun out, I can do that. I'm not going to load this, but... 
when I load the gun, I load it here. I don't load it down here. Although I could, because what if you and I were together and I couldn't go like this? There's these rangeisms. I had a guy comment on a video today. He's from South Africa. He saw a video, a guy loaded like this in the video. And he said, well, you can't do that here because you can't shoot up into the air. Well, that guy wasn't shooting up into the air. That guy was my friend Z that was in the video. He's a fifth group special forces, uh, green beret. And he was loading like that because there were people around. So you've got to start to develop a, a third or sixth sense rather to what's going on around you so that you can move through spaces and places. We get students up to the point where they're doing drills. One of my pet peeves is I see a lot of instructors doing these complicated drills because it's complicated but they don't really understand what they're passing on to the student. You said it a minute ago, the how versus the why, and that is a big, big problem. Guys, friends of mine, and we do this in course, in courses, push-ups, jumping jacks, running, and a lot of people automatically assume, oh, it's to be tired because in real violence, I'm going to have an accelerated heart rate. Maybe not. The point isn't just to be tired. The point is to get you to start having to process through multiple things and induce some mental stress on you. You got all these people watching. So none of that comes until these basic things like how do you manipulate the weapon? How does your finger uh, impact the frame of the gun when you're not, when you're not ready to shoot? Um, so we, we build all of that up from the minute we start so that we don't have to tear that stuff back apart later. Hey, why didn't you tell me that yesterday or last week? Cause I've been doing it wrong for hours. You get it? Yeah. So that's long answer to your question. I hope that wasn't <laughs> too long for the listeners. Everyone, you know, just clearly your uh, uh, Mickey is setting the, the tone here that, I will expect to ask a question and we'll give you time. <laughs> no, this is great. You know, All you got to do is blink two times if you want me to shut up. <laughs> this is why we bring people on. It's, you know, this is, this is not so people can listen to me. That's so they can listen to you. So, um, okay. yeah, which is, which is great. I've had other guests apologize. It's like, no, I brought you on here for a reason. You know, we have a few minutes together. Or I'm going to get everything out of you. I can. Ten four, but uh, you teach a uh, what you call your 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 carry trainer uh, two day course, mm-hmm. right? Is this kind of like the the basic you know handgun you know dare, dare I say defensive handgun course? So that's yeah, that's kind of what we're known for. I cut yep. you off. Go ahead. It, well, I just was gonna as a follow up. You know what what do you cover in that class? Well, what are some of the big takeaways, and what are you trying to help students achieve that come to you and, and go through that course? One of the things I, very prevalent in this business uh, environment is um, I, I'm able to earn a living doing other things than just being on the range. We speak, I write, uh, we do product development for companies. So it's not like I need to just fill classes, right? Which is where I'm going with this is this is where we have a lot of guys doing classes that are not really providing value other than entertainment. So uh, I'm saying this and I'm not digging on anybody because I've taken all these courses. I have friends that teach them and they're valuable. 
And you got guys like Will Petty. His, you know, Will is. And yep. Will's probably one of the best known guys in the country right now for his vehicle course. So if I was going to take a vehicle course or somebody said, where do I go? I'd say, go see Will Petty. And the reason I do that is every day, all day long, Will eats, sleeps, and breathes vehicle combatives. The FBI, some big city police departments have absorbed it. And I'm not at all bringing that up because of what, what uh, you guys are doing. But if um, it's just a very good example yep. of if that's what you're going to do, there's a guy that's so honed into it that you're going to get probably some of the best information available. In addition to that, he's teaching it so often, the same curriculum that as you know, as an instructor, the more you're exposed to teaching, the more you learn because you see more issues, problems, questions. I always tell students, uh, try to keep your mouth shut and pay attention because you're going to hear somebody say something that you didn't even think about. And I can't repeat everything everybody says because I'll be hoarse. Um, so, you know, you're like, oh yeah, Jim down at the other end of the range had a really good point that I never thought about. So um, my course is meant to be an immersion into how to live. Uh, and we touch on things, you know, some of it's a little, a, a little bit more touchy feely than a lot of uh, tough guys are used to. Uh, I, I'm a, the oldest boy out of 11 children. I was a pastor's son. My parents had 11 kids and that's a few, uh, that's a few. Um, I told you that we had several murders near and dear to us. And, uh, I've got two children. I've got a beautiful 17-year-old daughter. My son's going on 19 in college and uh, uh, a wife, of course. And I, so I take protecting them very seriously. But I, I, my mindset is um, kind of more of a, a holistic approach, yep. for example. And I'm, I'm answering your question here about what our course is. Here's some in dichotomies. Some di What's that? In 10 minutes. No, no, I think, I, think, I think we'll get to it here. If dichotomies of the quote-unquote gun training world. So here's a beautiful Wilson Combat uh, Brig Tac pistol. I'm sure you've seen these. One of my friends shoots for Wilson Combat. I'm blessed to be able to have some buddies that are top 10, 20 shooters on the planet. So there's a wonderful, wonderful firearm, right? So we've all got these cool toys. Uh, beautiful flashlight, all this stuff, and then I go train with it, and I could get good, right? I could get really good, but I neglect my body. So now I've got uh, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, I'm overweight, I can't run, and yes, there's people with physical limitations, I'm blind in one eye, I've got a knee that's starting to not work just from wear and tear, those kinds of things happen, but we have these dichotomies where I'm going to spend my resources, spend my time away from my family to train to protect them, yet I live on fast food, guzzle soda and monster drinks and all this junk so that I'm going to die at 40 or 50 of a heart attack. Well, wait a second. You just told me that you're not doing all this gun stuff to protect your family. You're doing it because it's fun and sexy and exciting and it's cool to tell your friends that you shot guns all week. And that's the kind of way I talk to my students. And some of them, people hear this and they're like, you know, heck with that guy. I, I don't need to get a sermon. Well, that's where I'm coming from. If you're serious about this approach to self-responsibility, and this isn't self-reliance, self-responsibility, like I want to go live in the woods and like be off grid and not have a government, but I am 
I'm sure you will agree with what I'm about to say. I am my best chance at surviving violence. You are your best chance at surviving violence. There's a lot more things that are going to impact me in life than violence, stress, and all these other things. So why don't we take our practice with these weapons? This is martial arts 101, Bushido, as we call it, right? I'm going to yep. take my, my, my practice and I'm going to inject it into the rest of my life. I want to be able to immerse myself in my relationship with my wife in the same way that I would with this gun. I want that to be a reciprocal uh, relationship where my training is not going to take me down the path of like far stretched, but anybody ever read about gold medalists, they get the gold and then they crash and they've got nothing because their whole life was invested in this thing. And once they attained it, they don't know what to do. So we, we need to create, uh, use our time to create a life that's valuable and then pass this stuff on. So my course, we're covering all of these topics of the legal and ethical use of force, why you should or shouldn't shoot somebody. We talk a lot about physical stuff. I practice martial arts, and so we do some of that. There's only so much you can cram into two days, but my course is designed in a way that if somebody that's never trained with a gun other than being able to exhibit safety or a Green Beret, Army Ranger, Navy SEAL, or SWAT cop could come and attend the course, and they all will be able to uh, participate at their own level. So the drills are meant, you, you either achieve it or you don't, or you achieve it to whatever the best of your ability is, we, we then now can expose your shortcomings. So uh, the skilled uh, Green Beret, for example, it's not, ooh, he did it so much better than the newbie. It's here's where you did it, and here's where you can improve. And the newbie, here's where you did it, and here's where you can improve. And I try to tie in, uh, the, and this is not new to me. This is sports psychology. This is uh, how to achieve anything in life. Yep. Uh, you, you've clearly done well for yourself with this uh, uh, business venture of yours. So it's all the same stuff. If we're going to become a champion shooter, a uh, black belt martial artist, a business tycoon, a leader of men, whatever, it's the same stuff, ingredients that make that. So I try to pass that on. And the reason that I mentioned being an older brother and all of that is this genre of society for me is, and probably for you, most of my uh, viewers, followers, listeners are young men, 25, 30, 35 years old. And I take that very seriously that they're choosing to listen to what I have to say. I stumble, I fall, I make mistakes, I lose my temper. You know, I, I, my wife gets mad at me for all of the, the reasons that wives get mad at their husband, <laughs> which is usually not a good reason. But, you know, I don't want to come off like uh, some pious uh uh, uh, holier than now person. So let's be honest with ourselves. If we're, we must be honest on the range. You've, you've heard this. Uh, I keep shooting low left. Well, you're probably doing X, Y, Z. No, I don't think I'm doing that. I think you are, you know, like if you can't yeah. be honest with yourself as to what you're doing physically with your hands and your, your brain to improve this how can you be honest with yourself to figure out 
why you're not losing weight or why your uh, relationship sucks at home or why you're not getting the promotion at work. It's all the same stuff. So I kind of put all that junk together. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. Too touchy feely, man. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) no, that's good. Uh, um, It's frankly, it's so true. Uh, You know, I was thinking as you were talking about, uh, you know, guys that, uh, well, the thought process went through my mind is you got guys out there that will spend a lot of money and a lot of time uh, training really hard to learn how mm-hmm. to, to shoot, you know, this thing, this is an airsoft, uh, you know, fast and, and accurately. Uh, but at the same time, we'll spend very little effort making sure that they're, they're healthy physically and that they're actually mm-hmm. able to, to move and, you know, be effective, uh, you know, in a physical fight, uh, which is far more greater, you know, to occur than, than having to, to draw and use this thing. So uh, a holistic approach is, it's not the first, I mean, we talk about this sort of thing. I, mean, I don't know if we, we, we drill down into it on a regular basis on the podcast or, or get all touchy feely like Mickey does, but, uh, but it's true. It's, it's, that's it truth right there, brother. Is that touchy feely? Do we need to have a, a phone call <laughs> after this and maybe, maybe drill into some stuff, Riley? I don't know. I, I might, I might need a hug when we're done though, brother. Sure. Like, you know, the emotions are getting all raw and stuff and you know, mm. tears coming to my eyes and stuff. Do it. That's real. That's reality. That's, that is, I think, something that's missing in our country. You know, I spent a lot of time studying history through my work with the Right to Carry Association. I have spent a, much time studying law. And uh, you're a, a religious man. There's many correlations between the breakdown of our uh of our society and the breakdown of the home. And a lot of that begins with like, uh, let's, I'll just cut to the chase, the crap that's happening in schools right now, that violence takes place around the world and it always have, and it, it always has, and it always will. But we have lost our way in guiding our young. We do not have moms and dads. I did many stupid things as a kid that my parents didn't teach me to do. So no matter how good a parent you are, uh, or if we all were great parents, you're going to still have people that do criminally insane and violent and horrific things. But in, in general, we need people to start stepping up and being a light in the world rather than uh, I, the world does not need more gun store commandos. That doesn't fix things. We did a NRA carry guard convention in Milwaukee. The state of Wisconsin is a uh, open carry state. And it was at the, uh, they had like a, in, in downtown Milwaukee, they've got a, a big, beautiful convention center. I think the Bucks play there maybe. Um, and mm-hmm. it's Milwaukee's got a really cool downtown, nice restaurant, yeah. hotels and all that jazz. I'm going to be there next week. Well, well, call me, man. Milwaukee's 50 miles from me. I'll meet you. Cool. So we, do uh, yeah, do it. We, uh, we were leaving to walk to the hotel. My wife was up there with me for the event and it's, five minutes from the, not even one minute from the front door of the hotel to the, uh, to the convention center. I walk out protesters everywhere, warm summer day. And then there goes these six dudes dressed in mix mismatched battle fatigues with Molly all over them with ARs. And most of the ARs were very unimpressive home built pieces of junk, which I'm not a gear snob, but these were junk. 
and they're marching up and down the streets around the uh, Capitol because it was their right. And I thought, good Lord, you know, that is what these people genuinely feel they are doing justice to the Second Amendment, to uh, the populace, like they're out defending you and, and uh, my, my rights and your listeners' rights. But in reality, all they're doing is you know, making a black eye uh, for our genre of society. So the world doesn't need more people like that. It needs people that can effectively communicate. I hope I can. I'm, I'm constantly working on being better at it. But, uh, and you have to be honest to be able to communicate effectively. Nobody likes a BS or nobody likes when anybody that tries to come off like they are um, something they're not, most people smell that. And then your ability to, to, to touch people in a meaningful way kind of goes out the window. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. You know, let's transition that, that way a little bit. Uh, you're the president of the McHenry Co- County Right to Carry Association, uh, instrumental in bringing concealed carry to Illinois. Uh, you've been fighting that sort of battle for a long time in a state, or particularly a state that's controlled by essentially, you know, one county, Cook, mm-hmm. Cook mm-hmm. County. Um, you know, you, you sort of brought it up a little bit already. What do you think we as gun owners, uh, as responsible, law-abiding, you know, self-preservation, you know, passionate people, uh, what do you think we need to do? I mean, the the conversation right now in this country, particularly in the way it's being driven in the media, is not looking very good, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for, for guys like you and I. And, and for everyone that, you know, our, our team, our team of people, everybody that's watching this podcast and, and whatnot, it's mm-hmm. not looking good. I mean, this town hall that CNN did yesterday, I mean, what a, I hate to say, I mean, I hate to be insensitive, right? Because like my heart feels for these families, you know, these parents that had the, the guts to stand up and, and speak in front of a very large forum when just not even a week ago, they lost their, their daughters and their sons. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. Me either, right? You know, so I hate to sound insensitive, but but that town hall was a was a joke. I mean, that was a, a lion's den uh, where everybody basically in that room, ninety six percent of them, were, you know, and anything that was pro gun control, pro ban, you know, certain classes of weapons, uh, whatever. Like they cheered, they clapped, they ho- hollered, and the minute you try to bring up anything uh, that might be different from that you know, boo, hiss, you know, all this stuff, right? So, I mean, you, you've been fighting this battle for, for a while in a, in a state where that battle is not always an easy one to fight. Mm-hmm. What, what, what words of advice do you have for everyone else out there? Live what you believe. It is so easy to uh, say uh, this is the right thing, this is the wrong thing. Uh, I think most adults need to go back to high school civics class. Um, Our Bill of Rights enshrines our rights. It doesn't bestow them upon us. Government is not bestowing uh, the right to free speech, the right to a a fair trial, those those different things. It's not – they're – they're not granted to us by government. They are defined in the Bill of Rights as this is them, right? People forget that, but then they also forget that this land that we live in, this wonderful, amazing, best country in the world that we live in, we're all, we all have a contract together. 
you and I agree to live in a society where we create rules that are nothing more than house rules, right? You don't run in the hall. You don't steal from your sister's change jar. You don't drink Coke in bed, right? It's the same rules that we have. And this is where it usually the wheels fall off when I have this discussion. Government's corrupt. Politicians are corrupt. And my immediate response is we the people. Those people creating those laws are elected by you and I and the listeners here. Well, that's a corrupt system and and our vote doesn't count. That's not true. So I got involved in election process about a decade ago. I've run campaigns uh, for people from county sheriffs, like your family member, to state's attorneys. Um, Some counties or some states, they call these, uh, 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 my brain went blank. What do they call them in other other states? We've got state's attorneys in our states, and they have oh attorney uh, generals. Tur- no, attorney generals is the 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 state. Um, these is the p- chief prosecutor for a county. Oh, uh, um, we well, got uh, you know DAs, district attorneys. Yes, district attorneys. There we go. Yes. Okay, so so um, uh, state representatives, state senators, Congress people. All the way to the president. We help put a governor in office here. Our county, so I'm the vice chairman, I stopped this year of our Republican Party here, uh, raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to help uh, elect different people that see things the way we see them. And that's the fun thing about how our government works is we get to be involved. Who am I? I'm some kid that barely graduated high school, grew up a dirty carpenter digging holes, and I play with guns all day, and now I'm raising hundreds of thousands of dollars and getting phone calls from Congress people and governors to help them. Why? And this isn't me patting myself on the back. It's me saying in spite of myself, in spite of all of my shortcomings, this is how the world works because I, not I haughtily, I just this is how the story goes, I choose and chose to step into that void. And that's just how it works. Anywhere that like somebody leads, and in this sense, I did have some leadership capacity, anywhere somebody leads, it's in not, not hey, Riley, you're going to be our new manager. That's not leadership. That's managing. Where somebody leads, they stepped into that void. So yep. to your question, we need to lead. You must go live what you believe. You must be willing. My wife and I had some hard times because of these choices I made because I would be out of town at meetings, not getting paid for this stuff, putting together fundraisers and in all of these different events, conference calls. It absorbed an enormous amount of time. That's what's required. Well, I shouldn't have to do that. You're right. You don't have to, and you get what you get then if you don't do it. And that's just the way it works. That's the nature of the world. I don't want to be fat. Well, then get up and do some exercise. And I would add, you shouldn't have to do that alone, right? I mean, we. I see, I'm sure you see it too. I see friends on social media complaining about the state of things, the state of affairs, uh, government this, government that. And, you know, some of those rightfully so, they, they are very much involved uh, in their local uh, politics and, and, and doing a lot of the same things that like what you're doing. Uh, but many that, you know, complain are not that involved to, you know, and, and not to, I mean, you know what, it's, I think it's better to speak up than not to speak at all. So sure. that's, that's one thing. That's one small step of, 
of activism or whatever, but, uh, it, you know, do, do more than just complain. You know? There's a difference between, uh, idle chit chat and you and I could talk about this problem. And then what, just like, how do we get to be a better shooter? What's the problem? Where are you at? How do we get to the next step? It's all the same, uh, steps to achieve something. So yeah. the, in a lot of times, this is so foreign to people. Well, it's politics. It doesn't have to be politics. We educate We educate people, all of this gun nonsense. I've got a collection of firearms. We had a family party once. My wife came and said somebody was leaving. I said, well, why are they leaving? And the mother found out that there was an AK-47 in the house. Granted, it wasn't some kid wasn't running around with it. It was locked up in the gun safe in the in the basement. But um, <laughs> the kid told his mom, Uncle Mickey has an AK-47. She just wasn't going to be in the house with the gun. <laughs> so you have somebody that has such a visceral response to guns like that. That woman now wants to learn how to shoot because she's seen what violence can do and that knows she needs to have some ability to affect that. So we, we have to be yep. able to communicate that beyond the brow beating of second amendment and, and founding fathers and those catchphrases, which mean, I don't want to say mean nothing, but they're, they in themselves don't affect anything. They're not, a, they're not an argument. I think you probably agree with me on this. Uh, it doesn't help when us trying to do something, you know, to, to sway public opinion, to convince others, to bring them to our side of, of the table or whatever it is. It doesn't help when, you know, we, we resort to name calling and, mm -hmm. and all this stuff, right? We've got to be civil in what we do. I mean, I was thinking about this woman, you know, that you just, you just talked about. She, she at one time was like, there's an AK 47 in the house. I can't be anywhere near that now is wanting to learn to shoot. And it's not, it's not just because of, of maybe what you did or what she's seen out, you know, outside in the community or in the, in the world, but also that's, that's prop that opportunity has probably presented itself because of the way you've conducted yourself, because of the way you live your life, because the example that you've set. I'd like to think that had something to do with it. I'd hope I, so. I think absolutely. It has everything to do with it positive role models. We need more of that. I think in this country, I was not always how I am. I'd like to say that as well. I was a hellraiser, miscreant, <laughs> uh, uh, general dirt bag kind of a guy at, at my younger years. Of course, as we grow older, our, our uh, uh, attitudes can temper. I am a huge proponent of controlling our thoughts. Something else that we, my students, my kids, uh, people around me, I, it warms my heart when I'll get a message late at night from a friend that say, hey, I thought about something you said and it helped me. And usually it's something very simple and none of it is new to me because this is the nature of how our subconscious works. We are what we think about all day long. So when you've got a guy on the range, I suck. I always shoot low left. Let's stop that. You don't suck. How about instead you say, I've identified what caused me to shoot low left. And now I am making corrections that I no longer do that. And I will have people say, I aim sure. I press the trigger straight to the rear. I'm totally calm, but confident while I'm managing the firearm. So the same thing when we communicate, we need to begin to control our thoughts. This is where I lose a lot of people, especially like in a Facebook type of a discussion. 
because you're typing, you have no vocal inflection and no ability to like look at somebody's face. But how can we make change in our community? How can we in how can we inspire our children to do good things if we don't believe we ourselves can do that? If I don't believe that I can go out into my community and in some way, shape, or form do something that is impactful in a meaningful way, how is anybody else going to follow what I'm doing? Why should anybody else? Why should my children grow up to say, I want to be like dad? And I don't want them to be like dad for uh, arrogant reasons or reasons of ego. I want them to be like dad because dad did his best to do something that was of value to the world. And we must start by controlling what we think about. And it's, it's, this is, it's just such a simple, uh, uh, but simple, but hugely uh, impactful way that the human works. It's, and if you're a spiritual person, that's what prayer is. If you're praying, it's the, you, you are programming your subconscious with the words. I suck. I'm stupid. I'm fat. I'm lazy. I'm powerful. I am confident. You know, these, these, the words that we say all day become who we are. A man, as a man thinks, so shall he be. And that is so very true. So these things we try to pass on in as many ways as possible. I want to, before it goes, we go away from it. Your point about being respectful. When we started helping with iGold, iGold is Illinois Gun Owner Lobby Day. It's the biggest Second Amendment gathering in the United States. At times, we've had five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people in our state capital. Conversely, other type events, and this is not a gun show. It's not a, a uh, like a convention. This is people going to our state capital to peaceably assemble and uh, meet their lawmakers and interact with them. Um, and push legislation. So every year we do this. Every year we have a theme. Right now it is gun-free zones are kill zones. That's the theme. And it's it, unfortunately this theme did not come about because of what just happened in Florida. It's yeah. a proven fact. So we have a lot of folks that show up and I'm not what I'm about to say is not meant to be insulting to anybody because I dress like this sometimes, but guys will show up, dirty, crummy clothes, scuzzy shoes, didn't brush their teeth, and now they're going to walk into our capital. And I hear from folks, that's my capital, and uh, you know I can dress any way I want, and I can walk in there and use vulgar language and just be whatever because I'm a citizen, and, and that's the facts. Well, even if I don't agree with everything that my government does, I still have respect for that institution. I have respect for those men and women that are there working. And just like folks that don't respect our president, the last president, the current president, that's my president. That's your president. That is the president of my blessed country. So you might not agree with everything that the person says, but if I talk to that president or that congressman or that state rep, I'm going to talk to them with respect, not just because of their position, but because they represent the, what is the, the greatness of our republic. So I started to get people thinking about maybe you want to bust out a, a tie, press a shirt, brush <laughs> your teeth, shave. And it, it, it's you are now showing my father was a minister. We would go wherever, grocery store. Dad always had a suit on. And as a kid, I didn't 
think anything of it because dad always had a suit on, press shirt, tie, the whole nine yards. And I paid attention as a kid that we could be in a grocery store, we could be in a hardware store, we could be anywhere. People paid attention when my dad asked a question. And he wasn't because he was some commanding man that like shouted. They just thought dress nice, looks nice versus some uh, ill-dressed person that was dirty with looking like pig pen, you know. That's just human nature. So class it up a little bit. Speak speak respectfully, like you said. It's very common stuff that should not be uh, very difficult at all. And I say these things and people want to say, but, but, but. It's like, well, what are you getting out of being a jerk? What are you getting out of uh, calling people names and so on and so forth? Mm, Absolutely. Well, it goes a long way. I mean, people uh, judge you based on how you look, how you smell, how, you know, how you speak. Um, and uh, I, I think the other side will take us far more seriously if we come across as being intelligent and clean and, uh, uh, you know, and that we've got, you know, well, along with the intelligence factor, you know, that we make good points, like well-reasoned, you know, we're, we're speaking to truth, mm-hmm. not just regurgitating, you know, the, the age old, you know, the second amendment is my permit, you know, kind of stuff, right. you know, like, you know, just like make good logical arguments and reasons for why you believe what you believe and, and present yourself as being that well thought out, you know, intelligent individual. And I think it goes along long ways. You know, one little thing, not everyone has to, you know, uh, run campaigns and, and, you know, run uh, gun rights organizations and things like that. Uh, not everyone has time for that, but I'll tell sure. you one little simple thing uh, that, that you can all, everyone here can, can do. Now, I don't know about all your states, but, but here in Colorado, uh, when it comes time for, you know, the election cycle to, to begin, we have caucuses here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I go to our caucus meetings and it's fascinating. You know, it, it's fascinating to me because even though I live in an area where the demographic is, is pretty evenly split between, you know, Republicans and Democrats. I mean, to be frankly honest, it's pretty evenly split. And then, but, but when you're caucusing, you're, you're, you're assembling with your party, Right. Sure. And even within those party meetings, sometimes it's interesting to see how things are split. And I, there are some crazy things that are talked about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and there, there's been many times where because I'm there, I'm well-dressed, I'm not always wearing a suit and a tie, you know, but, but I just look like a normal, decent dude. And the voice of reason begins to speak, not, you know, not, I'm not trying to, prop myself up, but, but I just will interject and say, no, Hey guys, look like that's ridiculous. What you're saying there. That's, I don't say it's stupid, but, but I point out why it's flawed or, Hey, there's a better way to do that. Or, you know, this is a better idea over here. And if you just sound intelligent and you look intelligent, it goes a long ways. And, you know, I just get involved at the local basic level in your government as you are deciding who's going to end up on ballots come election sure. day makes a huge difference and, and you don't want all vote. the crazies out there, you know, making those decisions for you. Right. Our voting turnouts are super low. So we have mass uh, 
sections of our society not even getting involved in the actual voting, let alone who's on the ballot. I think most people just have not subjected themselves to that. And I'll be honest, it's not fun. There's a lot of uh, people involved in that stuff that I don't enjoy being around. But if you're, I have a speech about dereliction of duty as a citizen. Somebody must do it for you. If we teach this thing, because if, if, there's not a cop there, right, to protect you. We always say carry that because it's easier than carrying a cop. So if somebody has to come, if a fireman has to come rescue me because I was derelict as a homeowner and got a house fire from negligence, now some some other father, brother, son, neighbor has to risk his life to save me because I'm derelict. If I If I am not doing my duty as a citizen, now somebody else has to carry that load on my behalf. Matt, Illinois, we have millions of gun owners. At the most, 10,000 of them showed up in Springfield. State of California, we helped a couple groups out there try to get petitions signed a few years ago before all of their nonsense laws just got passed. Mm. Nobody does anything. They have millions of people out there that are gun owners and only a few percent. I think my last calculation here in Illinois it was far less than 1%. It was about a quarter or a half of a percent of licensed registered gun owners in my state actually did anything impactful, uh, tangible to affect uh, laws. Mm. So that's, wow. that's pretty telling about, about uh, what is. And that's mm. how you, back to the big theme here, how you start to make a difference. Identify the problem and go get after it. Yep. Oh, this has been, well, as one of our viewers on Facebook has commented, outstanding conversation, Mickey, okay. and I, it, it's been fantastic. Now, you're a busy dude, and, and uh, you know, so it's about time to start wrapping this up and let you get back to uh, carrying on the good fight. Uh, Thank you. Any, any last words you want to throw out there for viewers slash listeners, uh, words of advice, uh uh, training tips, anything just last minute, you know, you just got to get off your chest. I would say uh, two very quick things. One, while, while we say question everything, make sure that you're questioning the right things. I'm not going to go to my surgeon when I know nothing about surgery and question what he knows or she knows from years of experience. So make sure you're questioning the right things. Invest your energy uh, where it's needed. We have people that are professionals in certain areas for a reason. Uh, a lot of people in the gun industry, they want to, I don't need to do it this way or that way just because he or she says so. Well, people spent millions of rounds of ammo and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours to figure out what works. So don't make things harder than they ought to be. Uh, take your training very seriously. You can never be too accurate. You can never be too safe. Believe in yourself. Uh, have set set worthwhile goals and try to achieve them. Don't just say, I'm going to try to achieve them. Um, thank you for listening to me today. I appreciate that. It's an honor to be able to share a little bit about what we do. I, I uh, am about to film a video this afternoon uh, with our staff on uh, the fact that we're going to be providing free training to teachers across the country. So every class that we do, cool. we offer free spots for active military personnel and active uh, law enforcement. I'm now going to be offering for at least the whole of uh, 2018, two free spots in every class. 
to a school teacher. Um, the person will be able to email me through Carry Trainer. We've got an email portal there, and we'll we'll be taking uh, people. And I'm not uh, patting myself on the back, but we limit our class size, so it's not like we're just throwing more people in. I it it, it will cost us money to do so, but I want to do this because again. Live what you believe. Otherwise, shut up and let somebody else do it because all you're doing is sucking hot air. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to end on that note. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great, man. And it's been a pleasure. It's been uh, fantastic. Steve here says, Mickey's the man. And Thanks, uh, Dennis says, thank you for taking the time and talking. So a lot, you know, it seems like the, you know, typically we have a little more activity on the Facebook comments when we do these things, but I think everyone has just been sort of overwhelmed with, you know, uh, with everything you've been saying. <laughs> well, that's, that's very kind. I, 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 um, maybe they were filing their nails. Or something. <laughs> I, I, I'm honored that you had me on here. If you're really coming out to uh, Milwaukee, if you have uh, yep. you know a couple hours, give me a call, man. I'll blast up, meet you for a cup of coffee or something face to face and chat some more. You coming up for business or pleasure? We, we are coming up for business. Uh, we'll be flying in Thursday and we'll be there f- Thursday night through Sunday uh, doing a lot of things with and uh, collaborating with USCCA. Okay. Oh, yeah. I forgot that they're up that way. Yeah. West Bend, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Not far from me at all. Yeah. I'm just over the border in Illinois on the north, northwest suburbs here. So. And it looks like you're hosting. Is it you that's hosting this class? Let's see here. Yeah. McHenry, Illinois. Reduced light pistol with Dave Spaulding. Yeah. Dave comes out. Dave's a buddy of mine. We do. Yep. Uh, we, we bring Dave out. I've got Wes Doss coming out this year doing a low light instructor development course. We host uh, Dave Harrington. Super Dave Harrington is one of the uh, co-sponsored. I'm sponsored through Superbell Ammunition, and Dave and I uh, do some work together. I've got uh, Bob Keller coming out. A lot of people don't know who Bob is because Bob is still active uh, in the military, but Bob comes from the highest echelons that our special operations has, like the highest, uh, has more operational experience than any person still alive. And we, we brought him out uh, last year for a great class and we'll, we'll have him out again this year. I think we've got, uh, who did we just have out? We had uh, Scott uh, Jedi, J- Jadinsky, Jelinski. He's the, uh, the master class red dot shooter that has become super well-known as of mm-hmm. late. He was out at our range uh, last weekend. So like I said, I like to, I like to support people that um, are passing on great information. I had Frank Proctor out last year. I mm. just talked to Mike Pannone talking about doing something with, with Noner out here coming up. So there's, there is uh, many good people out there. And it, I, I feel that if I know who they are, I want to tell people about them because you've got so many yahoos uh, starting training companies, as you and I talked about, that are, uh, passing on information that they shouldn't <laughs> really. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff, so. man. Awesome. Well, you got a good, uh, calendar of courses coming up and, uh, we wish you all the best. So, uh, before we let everybody go though, just a reminder, uh, you, why don't you do this? Uh, Mickey, tell, tell everyone again where they can find you. Thank you. Uh, Instagram carry trainer, Facebook carry trainer, uh, YouTube carry trainer. And then our email or uh, sorry, web address is carry Uh, if anybody has any questions, one thing I've tried to do, uh, is respond to any 
valid questions. If you want to know like, uh, you know, what type of meat I like to eat or something, I'm probably not going to spend the time to respond to you, but I, I'm very interested if people have legitimate questions uh, because we want to disseminate that information. So feel free to contact me through any one of those outlets and, um, Nice. And if you'd like to host a class, you can send me an email at training at carrytrainer.com and talk about hosting. No, we, we may have to talk, frankly. So I actually have, I've got a hundred requests from Denver. So maybe <laughs> I'll be out there sooner than later. Nice. That we haven't been uh, in a while. So awesome. Very cool. We've got a viewer too that commented earlier. He said he lives pretty, pretty close to you. And, uh, wants to get in touch to set up some training. So that's, that's Edward. So Edward, you, you've heard it. You, you can, you know where to find him, shoot him an, uh, an email or a contact and get set up. So uh, before, before we totally wrap it up here, just one last reminder, uh, you know, today's uh, episode sponsors. I mean, number one, Mickey, you've been great. Carrie trainer, go support him and his company uh, support, you know, any of your, especially your local gun rights uh, groups, uh, McHenry County, uh, uh, right to Carry Association. It's it's awesome and it's amazing the work you're doing up there. Uh, there's many similar organizations just about anywhere you might find yourselves, people. So so go and support and be active and get involved. Uh, also, the uh, concealedcarry.com uh, vehicle <coughs> excuse me vehicle firearm tactics course. Go check that out. Concealedcarry.com forward slash vft. Great little course. Simple, pretty straightforward, common sense stuff. And then also, just uh, because it's been a while since I mentioned it, uh, the uh, Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of podcasts, uh, go, go check them out. Uh, there were some issues with the podcast feed from their podcast uh, last week, but we, we got that all sorted out. So I know we may have had a few people wondering what was going on with that, but uh, just took a few days to figure out on the tech side what was going wrong there. But since I brought up the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast, you do a podcast, Mickey. You just launched yesterday, in fact. Uh, and, and so tell us just real quick before I let you go what, what your podcast is and what it's all about. That's a pretty much an overview of the things that we talked about today. We've discussed topics from uh, how to be a better dad uh, in the construct of the, the, the segment of society we're talking about, dealing with stress, dealing with uh, PTSD. We talk about some gear-related stuff. Um, the, the podcast is called Carry Trainer, The Higher Line. Uh, so we're talking about things perhaps on and a, a walking the higher path, if that's, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that you can, that's on iTunes, Google Play, all those good places. And you can go to carrytrainer.com and there's a link right there to download it in SoundCloud. Awesome. Thank you. Carry Trainer, Higher Line Podcast. I've got it pulled up here in iTunes and we'll be listening. So Good stuff, man. Keep it coming. And we look forward to connecting again with you soon. So with that, we're going to sign off. Thank you all that have been a part of today's episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. Uh, we will see you next week. Now, next week's going to be interesting because Jacob and I are going to be on the on the road all week. Uh, but we will, we mean, we're like, I can tell you right now, we're not gonna be able to stick with the usual publishing schedule. You'll probably see some things coming from us in the evenings and whatnot, as we'll be on the road traveling and attending conferences and all kinds of just, you know, lame, boring business stuff. But uh, bear with us. We'll, we'll, we'll have some more great content uh, coming your way next week. It just will be not the usual schedule. So 
Anyway, with that, thanks again, Mickey. Thank you all. We will see you all later. Take care. Be safe out there, guys. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws. But things can be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.